If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. Why do the Ten Commandments prohibit certain behaviors? Because God hates sin. And more importantly, because God loves you. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at why the commandments aren't meant to be a laundry list of do's and don'ts, but a love letter from God's own heart. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, God Carved His Love in Stone. Thank you for joining us today. This is the Monday edition of Turning Point, and we're so happy to have you along with us. You know, um, if you live long enough, you allow your mind to open to some thoughts you would never have ever thought in a younger time. And I remember the day I was reading the Ten Commandments and studying, uh, maybe for writing the book that is behind this series, and it became very apparent to me that if you do not know how to hate, you can't be a God of love. And that sounds so contradictory, doesn't it? A God of love is a God who hates that which deprives his creatures of love. And you can't have it. You know, it is not a sin to hate. It is a sin to be hateful and to be uh, uh, rude and angry and unjustly uh, upset. But there are some things in life we should hate. Hate sin. Hate the things that destroy your relationship with God. And the Bible speaks very clearly about the fact that there are some things that God hates. A proud heart. So as we look at the Ten Commandments and we see these prohibitions in a different light, we realize these prohibitions from God are evidences of his love, even though they may seem restrictive to us. Get a hold of that one. Wrap your mind around that, and when you read the commandments and listen to these messages, it will help you put two and two together and come up with four. (laughs) All right, we're going to get started in just a moment with part two of God Carved His Love in Stone. But first, let me tell you about our resource for this month. It's a really wonderful little book written by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth. It touches the lives of Everyone who reads it, I have read it all the way through, mostly more than once, a couple places where I've read two or three times. And the book just basically declares a truth that is so needed today and that God is in charge. Heaven rules. He is on this throne. The throne of God is not empty. He's there. He's got everything under control. And when we understand that heaven rules the things even on earth, Our life becomes more meaningful because we realize we're not just random people going hither and yon uh, accidentally by a whim. We are God's creatures, and he has every day scripted out for us, and he knows what we need, and he's there to help us. And I really want you to have this book because it will help you. It will bless you. It was my privilege to write the forward to it. And I am honored to tell you that that's our resource for this month. This Moody Press book, Heaven Rules, 
will help you take courage, take comfort, and understand that God is in control. It's yours for the asking when you send a gift of any size to Turning Point during this first month of the new year. Thank you for your support. Thank you for generosity. And when you send your gift, ask for Heaven Rules. Here's part two of God Carved His Love in Stone. This fifth commandment is the family commandment. And we began the second section of the Decalogue with this commandment. And in the New Testament, this commandment is repeated by Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. Listen to these words. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, somebody said, is this an ironclad rule? Does this mean that every son and every daughter who honors their parents will have long life? I know you're already researching in your mind, thinking of people you know who treated their parents like, you know, gods almost, and they went to heaven early. So this is not an ironclad promise. It's a general rule operating of a general principle, not an absolute rule without exception. It seems, however, to be saying this, listen carefully, that if you honor your parents and provide a long life for them, usually you yourself will have a long life. And that's interesting in this culture in which we live today, and I hope I'm not getting in any trouble with any of you because you may have just done something that you feel is in violation of this. But once again, this command from God is a reflection of his love for us. Why does he give us this command? So that we might live, so that we might not be weighed down or taken captive by bitterness, so that we may not come to destruction, so that we might enjoy God's good gifts to us through the days of our lives. The Lord is saying this. Would you do this? Would you honor the father and mother that I gave you? And if you do, I will honor your life. I will bless your life. And I will extend your life because I love you. However, I must warn you that if you violate this command, it will affect the whole fabric of your life. Commandment number six is the felony rule. This is a short one. Exodus twenty thirteen: You shall not murder. The Hebrew word for murder is used 13 times in the Bible. And here it clearly refers to the fact that we are forbidden to murder each other to kill unauthorized or with malice. Now I know, we jokingly say sometimes, I'm gonna murder you. And if you're jokingly saying it, I guess you get a pass on that. But murder is referred to in the Bible as the unauthorized taking of another's life with malice. And the verb is also extended to manslaughter, unintentional homicide, And it reminds us of this truth, ladies and gentlemen, that human life is the most precious and sacred thing in the world. And to end it or direct its ending is God's prerogative alone. We honor God's image in each other by consistently preserving life and by looking out for each other's welfare in all possible ways. And sadly, humanity right now is doing a pretty poor job of this. And the problem with that is since man is created in the image of God, murder is an attack upon God's dominion and it's tantamount to killing God in effigy. 
Murder is not only against the victim and his family. Murder is against God himself. We honor God by respecting his image that is in each of us. All murder is killing, but not all killing is murder. Life is given by God and cannot be taken except in the case of self-defense, a just war, or capital punishment, according to the Scripture. Now, the truth of this commandment being a sign of God's love goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It was there that God, after creating all manner of creatures to populate the earth, reached the zenith of his love and formed a man out of the dust of the earth. And that man and his wife were given one responsibility. Guess what that was? To bear the image of God in the earth. That's how precious every life is to God. You say, well, what about this guy who's done this? What about this? God alone has the right to take that back which he has given. You say, well, pastor, you know, I take a little pass on this one. I never would murder anybody. Well, go to the New Testament and find out what Jesus said about this. Jesus said this commandment's even more serious than you think. This commandment says, if a man hates his brother or says raka to him, which is you worthless thing, he's committed murder in his heart. So murder's not just the outward action of taking another's life. Murder is the attitude and spirit in your heart that you wish you could take another's life. (laughs) Every human being from the baby in the womb who has not taken its first breath to the gray-bearded patriarch who struggles to breathe, God says of all of them, I love them. And because I love them, you may not touch them. You may not kill them or even have ill of them in your heart. I love the one you hate so much to allow you to take his life. And I love you so much to allow you to take it. So don't murder in actuality or in your heart. The felony rule. Number seven, the fidelity rule. Now we're getting closer to where we live. You shall not commit adultery. That's the seventh rule. Now, the Bible says that we're not to commit adultery. What is that? Adultery is the consensual sexual intercourse of a married woman with a man who is not her husband or a married man with a woman who is not his wife. The Bible says adultery is a crime against marriage. How does the seventh commandment reflect God's love? Listen carefully. Here is your heavenly father saying to you, my child, I want to spare you from the awful fallout of lust, adultery, and divorce. I don't want your children to have to go through the confusion and the pain of your marital breakup. I don't want your parents and your children's grandparents to have to find their way through the anguish of a fractured family. I don't want you to lose the respect of your friends and co-workers. I don't want you to lay awake at night and grieve over the loss of the oneness you once enjoyed with the wife of your youth. I don't want you to have to spend the rest of your days with the feelings of guilt that result from broken promises and shattered trust. I love you, and I cannot allow you to ruin your life with the fleeting moment of pleasure. And because your fallen human nature cares more about yourself than others, I've established this boundary to protect you. You may have sex mentally or physically only with your spouse. Wow. How much anguish and pain and sorrow and hurt would be sucked out of our culture if we just obeyed that one rule from God. Oh, you say, Pastor, we live in a world of free love. Let me tell you something. Free love is not free. It comes with a huge price. And I've talked to enough people who've paid that price to know that for a fact. The fidelity rule. 
Here's number eight, the fraud rule. You shall not steal. That's another modern one we could use, right? I heard a story about a factory worker who day after day attempted to steal items from his workplace. Every single day he took a wheelbarrow filled with factory items, and every day as he left he got caught. Cylinders, iron ore, tools. His goal was to steal the items and sell them so he could get extra cash for his family. Day after day, the attempted thievery was stopped and the stuff was taken back from him. Finally, it came to be his last day at the factory. The commissaire was waiting for him to come out with contraband. He got to the door of the factory and sure enough, they pulled back the cover from the wheelbarrow and there was all the stuff. They confiscated it and they said, you are a fool. We caught you every single day. You got away with nothing. Sir, Mr. Commissar, he answered, you are the fool. I have been stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> stealing is taking somebody else's property without their knowledge or permission. And in the United States today, property theft occurs in some form every three seconds. It's hard to imagine what in the world this world would be like if we would just obey the Eighth Commandment. Just think about it. There would be no securities fraud. There would be no tax fraud. There would be no insurance fraud. There would be no investment fraud. There would be no computer fraud, no identity theft, no music fraud, no plagiarism, and no one breaking into your house or car to help themselves to your property. The person tempted to steal, God is saying this, I don't want you stealing because I'm your provider. I want you to understand and believe that I am the one who will supply your needs. I don't want you to have to scheme and manipulate and deceive because then what will you become? You'll become a schemer, a manipulator, and a deceiver. I don't want you to feel responsible for securing all of this yourself. If you trust me, I will help you, and you won't have to steal to get what you need. Here's a good illustration. If you gave your six-year-old a shiny new bike for her birthday because you love her, and the neighborhood bully pushed your daughter down and stole her bike, how would you feel? You would be offended and angry that someone took away part of the voice that you had said, I love you, to your daughter. God's provision are a daily voice to you that says, I love you. For that reason, he prohibits anyone from silencing his voice by stealing. Let's review. Commandment number one is the fundamental rule. Commandment number two is the focus rule. Commandment number three is the frivolous rule. Number four is the frailty rule. Number five is the family rule. Number six is the felony rule. Number seven is the fidelity rule. Number eight is the fraud rule. And number nine is the false witness rule. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What is false witnessing? It's lying. <laughs> Why should I tell the truth? Well, you should tell the truth because... Speech is a social act. Speech is a relationship. If I love my neighbor, I will want his good. And truth is the good of the mind as food is the good of the body. I want truth for myself. If I want truth for myself and I don't want to be deceived, then I must not be involved in deceiving others. Let me just tell you something about the Christian life, men and women. There can be no meaningful exchanges of spiritual life apart from honesty. 
When someone tells a lie, either by proclamation, promise, or pretense, they steal the trust and honor of the person to whom they lie. And when their lie is found out, they forfeit any honor they may have had, any esteem in which they were held by others. Truth is the currency of God's kingdom. If you are going to conduct meaningful spiritual business in the kingdom of God, it will only happen as truth is exchanged. Anytime you lie, in that moment, an agent of darkness doing Satan's work enters your life because the Bible says Satan is the father of lies. God loves you enough not to want you to be defrauded by a lie or to defraud others by a law. He loves you enough to have sent his own son who was the incarnation of truth into this world to be your savior. There's a commandment prohibiting lying because God wants you to be made holy and that can't happen if your life is built on lies. If we could just know the truth, we would always know what to do. Isn't that true? You get yourself in a situation where you got a personnel issue and everybody's got a different story and you don't know what the truth is. And therefore you're sort of paralyzed from knowing what to do. If you can just know the truth. How many times I've prayed, Lord, help me to see the truth in this situation. Because the truth is where everything starts. Until you get to the core of truth, you've got no place to go. And that brings us to the final rule. Commandment number 10 is the final rule. <laughs> and it's this rule. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. A woman was once asked whether she would rather have 20 children or $1 million. And she replied that she would rather have 20 children. Her reasoning is, if she had 20 children, she would have enough and wouldn't be tempted to want more. If she had $1 million, she would want more. <laughs> we smile at her reasoning and we realize that she's probably right. Most of us with 20 children would be satisfied. But even with a million dollars, we might never find contentment. There's a reason why this commandment is the last one. No coveting. Because it covers all the rest of the commandments like an umbrella. Don't covet someone else's partner and commit adultery with them. Don't covet somebody else's stuff and steal it. You see what I'm saying? It covers all of the commandments. Coveting is saying to God, I don't like what you have provided for my life. I want something else. I want something better. I want something they have that I don't have. Specifically, the commandment prohibits wanting something that God has provided for someone else. Your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's male servant, neighbor's female servant, your neighbor's ox or donkey. That's what it says in the text. The commandment is the most violated commandment of the ten. You know why? Because it happens in your mind. It happens in your mind. It doesn't happen in reality. It's a sin that you commit that nobody else sees, nobody else finds out until the result of it takes place. You and I can have our act completely together on the outside, but on the inside we can be agonizing over, lusting after, consumed by our desire to have what somebody else has had. Coveting is a closeted spiritual crime that if not checked will eventually manifest itself externally. 
It is in the last chapter of the book of Hebrews that we find out what the answer to this is. Do you know this passage? Listen to this. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Don't covet. But be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Coveting. Dorothy Sayers is a British writer who writes intriguing mysteries. She was also a very committed Christian, and she once pointed out the difference between two kinds of laws that we have to deal with in life. She said there is the law of the stop sign and the law of the fire. Here's the difference. The law of the stop sign is a human-created law, and human authorities can impose or rescind it at will. The punishments for violations can also be increased or decreased. As an example, traffic laws, like erecting a stop sign, depending on the community's need, the stop sign can be put up or it can be taken down. And depending on citizens' adherence, the fine for violations can be small or large. But the law of the fire is different. No human authority can impose or rescind the fact that sticking one's hand into a flame will result in a burn. Bound up in the fire itself is the punishment for breaking that law. And God's moral laws, God's Ten Commandments, are like the law of the fire. Listen to what was said here. You never break God's laws. You just break yourself on God's laws. Because in every one of his laws, the penalty is insidiously included. And we don't understand that. We don't understand that God gave us these rules to protect us from the things that can ruin and destroy our lives. In her beautiful novel about Maine, the country of the pointed firs, Sarah Jewett describes the ascent of a woman writer on a pathway leading to the home of a retired sea captain whose name was Elijah Tilly. On the way, the woman noticed a number of wooden stakes randomly scattered about the property with no discernible reason or order behind them. Each was painted white and trimmed in yellow, just like the captain's house. Curious, she asked Captain Tilly what they mean. And he said, when he first plowed the ground, his plow snagged on many large rocks that were beneath the surface. So he set stakes out where the rocks were in order to avoid them in the future. In a sense, that is what God has done with the Ten Commandments. He has said, here's a trouble spot. Don't go there. Here's another trouble spot. You'll break your plow on this one. Here's a trouble spot. He's put these ten stakes down into our lives, and he has said to us, if you want to live a happy life, if you want to live a successful life, if you want to live a life of joy and peace, here's some stakes I've put in the ground to keep you from getting hurt. You see, God is not an arbitrary, capricious God who delights in catching us doing something wrong, who levies a fine against us in that every time we do anything that's not pleasing, he's just waiting in heaven to get us. No, God has told us how life in his creation works. In fact, he wants us to know how life works so we can be eminently successful at it. 
It's like he has given us the answers to the test so that we will pass with flying colors. That's the grace of God revealed in the law of God. It's how the law of God reveals the love of God to all of us who will trust him. He is saying to us, here are some things I want you to know because I love you. You're my children. You're my family. And here are the things. If you just take seriously what I say about these ten things, you will have such a better life. You have a life filled with joy and happiness, of course, including Jesus Christ as your Savior. So once again in the Ten Commandments, we hear the voice of God saying, I love you. I always have and I always will. The Ten Commandments are a message from God carved in stone about his love for us. Hmm. And thank you for joining us today. Friends, tomorrow we're going to talk about how God's love never quits. And we're going to tell a story from Hosea 11. It's one of the most intriguing stories in the Old Testament. Don't forget also... We are going to Alaska in the month of July, the 15th through the 22nd. We're going to cruise Alaska. Our conference cruise is a wonderful time of seeing one of the most beautiful parts of the world with a bunch of friends on a beautiful ship studying the Word of God. We've got some special guests this year we'll introduce to you later. But find out about it by going to our website. You can come with us. I hope you'll think about it. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. Thanks for listening. message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you update us on this ministry's impact on your life? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wolleman and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue... God loves you, He always has, He always will, here on Turning Point. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. On his first missionary journey, as he and his fellow workers were returning to Antioch, 
The Apostle Paul encouraged believers in new churches to stay strong. He told them, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Some modern Christians might say, I thought all I had to do was believe in Jesus to enter the kingdom of God. Well, that's true. We enter God's kingdom by faith. But the deeper we move into God's kingdom, the further we move away from the kingdom of this world, and we will experience hardship in making that move in the form of opposition, doubts, and temptation. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's strength to endure on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.